You have now tuned in to the Comic Section Network. A disgraced showman, Balthazar Kane, invites a group of social media stars to his demented circus cane, promising $250,000 to anyone who can make it through the night. The contestants quickly realize that escaping circus cane means life or death. This week on the Prime Cuts Horror Podcast, we watch 2017's Circus Cane. Welcome to the Prime Cuts Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Griffin, alongside... Hank Holder, and I'm alongside Marley the Dog Girl, who is staring longingly into the distance, dreaming of treats and long walks. Not circuses and acrobats and... Eh, maybe. Bloody beards? <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> so... Alright, let's get into this thing. On Prime Cuts, we give a serious stare into the psychotic and sinful three-ring circus of stink we call the Amazon Prime Video Catalog of Genre Films. Out of all the streaming platforms, none have the selection of small, lesser-known horror films, indie or otherwise, than Amazon Prime. And we're going to dig into that catalog right here. Now, we're aware that streaming services frequently change their content, so while we can't promise that each episode's film will stay on Prime indefinitely, we're going to do our best to choose movies that we feel have found their forever home, where they will stalk the sideshows of the big top Amazon for all eternity. Or, at least until a disgruntled fire breather decides to burn it all to the ground. Without further ado, let's take a look at this week's selection. 2017's Circus Kane. So the film begins in the past, and we know it's the past because of the sepia tone filter and the fake film grain that was added in post production. Oh boy, as soon as we saw this filter, I was like, Hank's gonna love this movie, and I'm gonna hate it. I am a sucker for the fake 70s grindhouse aesthetic. Absolutely. Uh, And I just roll my eyes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is where we first meet Baltazar Kane. He's the ringleader of the infamous Circus Kane, and he's all around a creepy guy. Uh, Kane's appearance is kind of what I imagine Rob Zombie would look like if he time-traveled back to the 1930s and decided instead of music, he would spend his days just ingesting morphine and sobbing in random alleyways. You mean that's not what Rob Zombie does? 
Well, yeah, okay. So Baltazar Kane is basically just Rob Zombie. Basically. This guy has a real vibe about him. And it's the kind of vibe that screams, stay away from me, I'm a dirty con man. Eh, Probably a murderer. Definitely a murderer. (laughs) Definitely a murderer. But in the world of the film, Kane's a fairly well-known, celebrated showman with a penchant for the macabre. Children idolize him, adults pay to see him, and every clown in the biz wants to work for him. So Kane's in his dressing room, where he's applying layers upon layers of black mascara that will inevitably end up streaming down his face, which is the kind of look he has the whole... The whole film. The whole film. It's like, just... Like, he's been crying endlessly. He probably is, on the inside. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Apparently, the outside, too. Yeah, on the outside. And, uh... He's in his dressing room, and then this sort of adoring youngster walks in to see him. Kane amazes this kid with the old pull-a-coin-from-the-ear gag. The child expresses their desire to learn this mysterious supernatural sorcery. Kane, in turn, asks the youngling to call him Father. Father. So, a young woman named Tracy is sitting in the police interrogation room. Tracy is in bad shape. She looks traumatized. The detectives are trying to get some answers about what she's gone through. She's... Go ahead. She's all bloodied up, She's all bloodied up, but her shoulders are covered with a small blanket. (laughs) You know, I guess officers can't let a victim wash the disgusting dried blood from their face, but they've got small blankets on deck and ready to roll. That's right. And Tracy is hesitant to explain her situation, expressing the... The futility? Yes, of whatever statement she could provide... But the detective asks her once again. That's when she changes her mind and decides to spill all that tea, baby. Oh, gosh, Hank. Oh, you said tea again. Tea again. No. All right. Well, anyway, so Tracy tells the detective that this whole ordeal begins with the invites. The golden tickets filled with false Promises, As she so eloquently puts it. Oh, yeah. Well, that line did not get by us. (laughs) We both looked at each other like, here we go. Now, the film goes back a few days to introduce all our main characters. And we see all of them as they receive those golden tickets. I suppose, in theory, these flashbacks are Tracy's memories being recounted to the police. But, wait. She... These characters start the story as complete strangers... She wouldn't have access to all the details, how everyone got their invitations. Unless, uh, maybe she's in tune with the same dangerous witchcraft that caused the spontaneous emergence of shiny coins? Hmm, maybe I'm just used to this trope of victim tells story through flashbacks, so I got confused when it cuts to a scene where Tracy wasn't present. Only God can say for sure. Oh, okay. Here we go. First, we meet Big Ed, who runs a shop, Collector's Paradise, that sells collectibles for collectors to collect. (laughs) And they're obviously all very expensive, and he does not give discounts. No way. 
a customer comes in and he's offering him to sell him some pictures of Greta Garbo. Which I honestly have no idea who is. Well, you uh, wouldn't be the target audience for those photos. <laughs> no. Well, Big Ed is also reluctant to even buy him because he thinks that all Greta Garbo's fans are dead on account of her being famous in the 1930s. Oh, okay. But... In 1999, the American Film Institute ranked her the fifth greatest female star of classic Hollywood cinema. Hank, you're the only one who would know that. That's impressive, I think. Mm. So Big Ed buys the photos, but the customer wish he could make more than the $1,000 that Ed paid. Uh, None of this information is important, Hank. Well, throughout this transaction, we learn that Big Ed speaks almost exclusively in movie quotes. Oh, gosh. If his constant references and impressions were well done or made sense in the context of his conversations, then maybe it would come off as quirky or clever, but the impressions are way off. (laughs) And the quotes are, like, random and basic. I kept thinking, wait, is this a collectible store or is this a movie store? I don't know. (laughs) I really don't know. It's collectibles for collectors. (laughs) Right. But, I mean, in the span of five minutes, Ed, for no discernible reason, tells two separate people, I'm Batman, (laughs) in a voice that I swear is closer to Donald Trump than Christian Bale. One of these people is Ed's mailman, who delivers a gold-colored VHS tape. Yes, the tape seems to be from Balthazar Kane, cloaked in darkness, challenging Big Ed to stay overnight at Kane's super spooky circus haunted house warehouse. (laughs) It's kind of a mix of all of that Yeah, all of it. And if he can withstand the frights and bumps and boos until morning... He'll win that coveted quarter million dollars. That's right. Hey, I kind of want to go to a spooky circus haunted house warehouse. Hey, I would I would love it. Not that one. No. But one. They die there. Yeah. Obviously, I don't want to die there. But in theory, it's kind of a cool place. Yeah. And the set was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, Big Ed watches the tape, and he is immediately down to clown. <laughs> He was actually a fan of this circus cane when he was a little Ed and not a big Ed. He, and he used to go and see the shows as often as he could. Yeah. Was, Which he says multiple times. Right. He makes it pretty clear that this guy's a big, this Baltazar Kane is a big deal. Which is weird because, like, I was under the impression from the opening scene that. Kane in his dressing room. That was supposed to be like 1940. Yeah. In actuality, I mean, it must have been like the, the 1980s. 80s. Yeah. 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 But uh, now Big Ed is Big Ed and he has a heart condition and basically will go into cardiac arrest if he's slightly startled. Yeah. This may be an issue. Absolutely. What, 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 what's he doing? Yeah. He's in denial. I can handle it. So, the rest of the cast don't get this cool custom VHS tape, which really sucks for them, in my opinion. Yeah. But would they have VCRs to play them on? I mean, they don't run a super collectible (laughs) shops with 
collectible VCR, so yeah, so maybe they, not. They'll just get text. How yeah. informal. So the rest of the characters, we got Roxy. She's the punk rock chick with the heart of gold who needs money to take care of her brother. Wait, do we ever find out exactly what's up with her brother? Well, uh, no. They never tell us, but we basically know that Roxy needs money to take care of her brother because her brother needs care, and (laughs) care costs money. Money, right. So Roxy gets her text while she's at a gnarly punk rock show where she is moshing in the pit to a band called Corrupted Youth. So next we have Jake. Jake is on his laptop writing a review for something called Love's Last Chance. Okay, Love's Last Chance. Now, we only catch a quick glimpse of this on his laptop, but I really, really would like to share it with you. So I I took a screenshot of the frame, and, and I want to read it because there's a solid chance this will never be published. Yeah. Okay. Okay. After review... This not-so-romantic comedy, I contend that this flick does not deserve a last chance. (laughs) A last meal, perhaps. The word ingenue is in need of a new definition, and Our Lady Fair will not nuance its context. Despite some initial confusion as to who the lead is... Semicolon. The movie chooses to follow a janitor and an ill-cast lunch lady for the first 15 minutes of the movie before shifting focus back to the lead characters. David Allen Greer shines, though, as the janitor. He appears both humble and peculiar in the role. It is oddly comic and at times slapstick for a movie that attempts some Deeper meditations on the flaws of romance in the modern age. Margot Martindale, this is my note, he spells her name wrong, however, shines. She proves yet again that even the most talented actors of our age can still shine through terrible writing and sub-equal-sign-par... Editor note, that equal sign, I don't know why, that's there. Editing. This whole movie is a confusing nightmare world, one that perhaps signals the heat death of the romantic comedy genre, an apocalyptic scenario that I personally welcome. How bad can I move? And that's where it ends. Oh, boy. You saw all that? They, <laughs> they showed us all that? I mean, I don't think we were supposed to read it, but, I mean, okay, so... We see Jake for like 10 seconds. He's in his beautiful apartment. And this guy looks so incredibly pleased with himself while he's writing this. So even though they just showed like half a second of what he was actually writing, I just had to 
I had to find out what well, it was because this guy looks so smug, and that's some of the worst garbage I've ever read. Absolutely. It was uh, almost as unnecessary as it was to go through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> so he gets his invite text, and it interrupts him while he's typing, and he looks at his phone with utter disdain, as if it derailed the most important train of thought that ever rode the brain tracks. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, I think now we meet Greg. Greg. Right? Yeah. Uh, he's having a loud argument with a woman, presumably his girlfriend. Greg's text comes through while she's yelling at him about his disinterest in their relationship. And after he sees the offer for a quarter million dollars, he just walks right out the door. Without a word. Yeah. I think she may have been right about Greg being a dick. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then we go to Billy, and Billy is a gamer guy living at home with his mother, whiling away the days. I totally missed noobs that and pounding Mountain Dews. <laughs> yeah. I, I think. <laughs> I, I miss that he lived with his mother. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, obviously, he's a video game player. <laughs> Don't tell. <laughs> Well, you don't live with yours. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway. Well, I did until I was 25. So. <laughs> well, okay. So Billy's a very large man, but he's not really intimidating. His, no, he's his, like a teddy bear. He's a teddy bear. His heart is as large as his tum-tum. Billy's a bit older than the most of the rest of the contenders. Well, he's like Big Ed. Yeah. Basically, yeah. he's around the same age as Big Ed, so he's... Aware of... Uh, aware? Fans. He's like a super fan. I think he's more of a fan than Ed is. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the poster on the wall? Yep. He has a Circus Kane poster. And it's the only poster on the oh, wall. On the wall, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah going through this, he was uh, he was the fanboy. He was the one who knew it all. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. true. Yeah. All right, so we got our final two contestants, and those are Carrie and Scott. Uh, Carrie is an actor best known as a scream queen in B-horror movies. Oh, is that why they named her Carrie? Maybe. Is that like, like a play on... I mean, on the movie Carrie? Carrie? Uh, <laughs> no, that's a B-movie? <laughs> no, that's a classic brand of It's an film. homage or something? Yeah, so we'll go with that. Okay, sure. Uh, I just kept calling her Scream Queen. I didn't even know her name was Carrie. Yeah, I actually didn't either until I read it on IMDb. Oh, okay. But I also found on IMDb that in real life, the actor who plays Carrie is Nicole Fox and is best known because she won season 13 of America's Next Top Model. Oh, and uh, now she's uh, starring in kind of bad Amazon movies. Yeah, well, uh, actually, she has not starred in anything in the four years since the release of Circus Kane. Oh, uh, maybe it was a bad experience for her. I hope She not. couldn't handle it. Well, oh, you want to see more of her? I would love to see more of her. Oh, Nicole you're... Fox, reach out. <laughs> We'll give you a job. We here Dang. at Prime Cuts wish you the best of luck in all your future endeavors. Absolutely. And Scott, uh, uh, Scott's kind of like a dumbass Insta model. Is that what Scott's supposed to be? I think so. Uh, he was just the one on his phone the entire time. Well, 
There we go. Oh, yeah. okay. Checks well, out. Because, like, the, so basically the group finally meets up behind a building near some dumpsters, which I guess were in Kane's instructions, and a SWAT van arrives, and two men in the Joker Dark Knight henchman yes. mask direct them to get in the back of the van. And uh, More Batman references. Well, this would have actually been a more proper time for Big Ed to say, I'm Batman. (laughs) But he doesn't do it. (laughs) Missed opportunity. So then they're, so they ride to Circus Kane. Yeah. uh, And the group, they learn more about one another. And they eventually come to the conclusion that they were chosen specifically because they all had some sort of presence or following online or in the in the horror community, right? Yeah, basically everybody except Scott, the Insta model, who just has a following outside of the horror community. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, so they, you know, they get to know one another, and then the back of the van is filled with some sort of sleepy time gas, and yeah. the gang all takes a nap. Yep. So. All right, so they're woken up and they're escorted out to their final destination, Circus Kane. It really doesn't appear to be a circus in the traditional sense, huh? No, it's more of just an isolated mansion, the kind you often find Dracula's in. Only this is set in daytime, so Dracula's inside sleeping. Right. Right, okay. So they figured out that they were gassed pretty quickly, but are surprisingly okay with it. They also remember that Baltazar Kane was convicted of manslaughter by setting fire to one of his performers, a strong man named Robert Valentine. And Kane himself was also burned up, but survived and was sent to prison. The gang's recollection of the story is a little foggy at this point, but it also does not seem to bother them at all. Not much seems to bother them through most of the movie. No, they're... They're cool with a lot of (laughs) things that seem like they would be red flags to me. Yes, absolutely. So they get get out. A big old lurch-looking fellow, played by Night Court's Richard Mole, escorts them into the mansion. Am I supposed to know who that is? Are you a big fan of Night Court? No idea what that is. Then probably not. All right. (laughs) Yeah, it only takes about five minutes before we get our first murder. Jake, that brilliant film critic that you forced us to listen to Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) he is taken and he's part of the old like saw someone in half gag uh while the others look on from the next room Mm -hmm. and at first this goofy clown and a jester struggle to cut through the box with an array of like plastic saws and rubber axes but then the clown sees the perfect tool bends down to grab it and what is it? Dun, dun, dun. A chainsaw. A chainsaw. <laughs> so when the clown rises back up, his unassuming dime store mask is gone. Replaced with a sick and frightening clown face with sharp yellow teeth. Honestly, this makeup is pretty incredible and is on par with Terrifier's Art the Clown or either one of the It's Penny Wise's Penny, <laughs> Penny Wise. Wise? Yeah, mm-hmm. Pennywise. And as one of the most unnerving depictions of uh, clownery on film that I've seen, the uh, 
The chainsaw does indeed do the trick, cutting straight through Jake like a knife through butter, or like a chainsaw through a <laughs> human. Through a human. Human. Okay. So the rest of the contestants briefly panic, but again realize that Jake must have been a plant for Kane, and he's just part of the act. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure Billy is the one that's like, ah, no. Yeah, this Don't is worry. scaring people 101. Don't worry. Yeah. You know, it, let's just brush it off and go ahead. Because these people are not letting anything come in between them and this money. So the group goes on, and for the next 20 or so minutes are solving, like, escape room-esque fettle... Fet- Riddles? Fettles? They're playing the fiddle. <laughs> so there's escape room riddles to like find keys and gain access further into this creepy mansion. Yeah, and eventually they come upon like a Zoltar kind of fortune teller that gives them each a number, one or two, that corresponds to a door that they have to enter. Oh, yeah. So this splits the group in two. Greg, Roxy, Tracy, and Billy go into a very blue room filled with barbed wire L- literally blue like blue lights not n- naughty or uh a, like a nudie room not, not that. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> so there's arrows on the floor that help them pass through the room without getting harmed mm-hmm. but at the very end they are required to crawl under a wire it's pretty close to the ground and billy being a big boy has a little bit of a hard time That's with a big this boy yeah if i was him i'd I probably would have just tried to step over the wire. Now, there there are two wires forming a triangle with the one that he's trying to crawl under. Yeah. And, and look, I wasn't there. I don't know for <laughs> sure his reasoning behind trying to just go under. But ducking through an open triangle seems easier than crawling under a wire that's less than a foot off the ground. Especially if you're a big old boy like Billy. But, alas, that is not what happens. So, Billy's trying to crawl under this barbed wire. Uh, Greg tries to give him a hand. He's gonna... Greg takes Roxy's jacket, revealing her badass, rancid, let's go t-shirt. of course. She's punk, through and through. Yeah. Um, And then... So, Billy holds one end of that jacket, mm -hmm. and Greg directs Billy to slide like a penguin... While Greg pulls from the other end. Mm-hmm. I This is where I'm like, uh, I knew I didn't like this Greg guy. Greg, you know, for the most part in the movie, he's like not that bad. Like he's just, no, he's, he's what, a, well. He's typical. He, typical. He, yeah, okay, okay, whatever. But it basically works, mm-hmm. but it does rip a large chunk from Billy's back. Um, he was not happy about it, but they did it. Hooray for group one. Hooray for group one. <laughs> All right, well, then uh, Big Ed, Scott, and Carrie have the rougher task, in my opinion. Yeah. They're in a steaming hot metal room where all four walls are heated enough to scald them horribly. The only safe spots to stand are basically like a few platforms that they have to hop between. Uh, One more problem, there are also giant axe pendulums that swing between each of these platforms. Uh, These guys basically went from solving simple riddles or fiddles, like you would say, to being thrown (laughs) into some real-life World 8 Super Mario 
bullshit. <laughs> yeah. But they get through it, too. So, hooray for group two. Hooray for group two. Unfortunately for both groups, though, everything goes to shit from here. Yeah. Big Ed's group finds a jack-in-the-box, which, after they turn the crank and go through the song, sort of expels a giant evil teddy bear, uh, which in turn gives Ed a heart attack. And Ed falls onto one of those um, fair hammer games, um, high strikers, I think they're called, which smushes his face. He falls onto the thing, and it looks like he's curb stomped and (laughs) breaks his face open. Um, In fairness, his face does send the dinghy all the way to the top of the tower. So in death, Ed is proven to be a real strong dude. A strong dude. And uh, thank you for the sound effects. They, they you're, really You're welcome. It. Yeah. I mean, I just really wanted to get across the uh, intensity and the uh, gruesome goriness of what happened. Yeah. No, it was great. It was great. So, meanwhile, the other group runs into a room filled with stuffed animals and random toys. Barely hidden among them. Barely is the evil clown who immediately bites off Billy's fingers. Yeah. <laughs> they find a key to the next room and recite the words, Balthazar Kane, you win again. Balthazar Kane, you win again. Which, at some point, they learned was a secret code. I do not recall at any point this no, coming up. Like, oh, when we get to this point, we have to say the secret words to get through. Yeah. But... They were, I guess it's a thing. Yeah, whatever. So, (laughs) the evil clown drives an axe into Billy's back, though, finally killing him. Rest in peace, Billy. You may not have survived, but you are still a winner in my heart. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Roxy watches as the evil clown sprints back through the barbed wire room, and while Tracy and Greg are grieving the loss of Billy... She decides to follow him out. She gets all caught up in the barbed wire and then, like, bleeds to death. And yeah. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. What was she thinking? She, she was just... not thinking. No. She just well, runs. Well, you know what I bet she was thinking? You know, real punks, they cannot be hurt by barbed wire. They'll wear that shit around their necks. That's true. You know, or whatever. So, basically, we learned that she must have been a poser oh, all along. come on. Yeah. And also now we have to assume that her brother never is going to get his expensive care and will probably die too. That's so sad. It is. It's sad. Then, out of nowhere, we get a flashback to the 1940s Circus Cane. You mean of the 1980s. The 1980s <laughs> Circus Cane. Yeah. Where we see the argument over some unexplained property that causes the scuffle between the strongman Robert Valentine and Baltazar Kane himself and we see that the young child witnessed all of this so smash cut back to the present smash cut back to the present Gary and Scott run back through their hot pendulum room and reconvene with Tracy and Greg who must have crawled back through their barbed wire room We, we didn't see that uh, they, they had a much, it's like, Tracy and Greg just took a few more minutes, and they got through that room fine. Oh, wait, no. They w- could get through the room easily because she, uh, punk girl, Roxy, she did all the work. 
She did all that work getting cut up and caught up in that barbed yeah, wire. Yeah, so she just got it all tangled. So they mm-hmm. were just easily able to get around it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. Okay. Anyway, so, okay, so uh, Carrie, Scott, Tracy, and Greg. They're all back together now, and they're reminiscing over the crazy shit and the horrible deaths that happened. And Scott actually calls the ambulance. He does. But it's over an hour away. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that I feel like I've seen in a horror movie, at least in a long time, where somebody actually gets to call. He, he has his cell phone. He yeah. has service. Yeah. And he calls the authority. When does that happen? It never does. <laughs> now, it just happens to be that they're so isolated that the nearest ambulance or whatever is over an hour away. But good yeah. on you, Scott. It only took three people dying, but you made the yeah, call. That's right. That's right. So they decide to wander around, and they end up stumbling into a room that looks like a meat freezer, but filled with random limbs and body parts hanging from chained hooks instead of regular meat. Mm-hmm. Yuck. Well, uh, Which looked phenomenal, by the way. Yeah, you like that, huh? Yeah, it looked really... That was a great scene. Yeah. Great set. Uh, so uh, Kane comes over whatever PA system he has and, and basically says... Quote, actually, in order to triumph truly, one must travel through the depths of hell and still come out the other side. So they all just take a stroll through the human meat locker. Uh, little do they know that the evil clown's friend, the jester, is following them, dragging his own chained hook behind him. Oh boy. Yeah. Jester sneaks up behind old Greggy and puts that hook real deep into him and pulls him off into the darkness. I wasn't excited or anything. Yeah, like you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit. I was like, okay, good. Greg's you know gone. what, though? Carrie, Scott, and Tracy all scream, no, not Greg. He was a real cool guy. They were lying. And then Carrie backs up into the evil clown himself who grabs her by the neck and hoists her up into the air. Obviously, the evil clown is very strong, so this just kills Carrie. Carrie's gone. And Carrie's gone, and so Scott and Tracy scream, No, not Carrie! She was a real cool woman! And then they have to run away. Yeah. Uh, so they run into this room with some kind of goggle-wearing zombie, and um, Scott beats the shit out of him until he dies, and it's, it's you know, good on Scott. Then he gives this confusing sort of action hero one-liner, Shalom, motherfucker. <laughs> now, Scott could be Jewish. It doesn't ever come up in the film, no. you know, but it seemed odd. So I turned on the subtitles, and the line read, Hello, motherfucker, which makes even less sense because he just killed him. But then I noticed that the goggle zombie had a swastika armband, which mm. makes me think he did say shalom, motherfucker, even though the subtitles say hello, motherfucker. But I think shalom can be used to mean hello yeah. in Hebrew, so maybe whoever subtitled the film thought we needed the Hebrew translated so that the one-liner becomes meaningless? <laughs> Only... Only God can say for sure. Yeah. That's not the line you've been saying. (laughs) Sorry, I stole it from you. Only the Jewish God in this case. Oh, there we go. Wait. Let's move on. Okay. (laughs) So anyway, 
Finally, Tracy and Scott actually meet Balthazar Kane. He's disfigured. His face is held together with staples. He's all burned up. Uh, he's actually seems to be on his deathbed. He's hooked up to this breathing machine that helps him ingest some kind of green goo. I don't know what the green goo is. No idea. If you, if did anybody... they show the green goo in the beginning? Like in that first like flashback that we start with, I don't remember seeing green goo goo anywhere until no. we get here. Yeah, this is uh, he just has green goo medicine. I think it yeah, we just have to assume that it's part of his new magic thing that he's using to keep himself alive, or part of a medical treatment that a doctor prescribed to him. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. But basically, now he looks like a very very ill uh, Jeepers Creepers. But at, at least the Creeper was a quiet killer. Oh my this gosh. fucking cane never shuts up. Never. He goes on and on about I'm a hunter, a lion, a giant who sees all. He talks about like having a circus of the flesh, and you stare into the abyss, and I'll spread death souls through the horror show he quotes julius caesar he quotes fucking cypress hill oh yeah insane in the membrane yep this fucking guy is so annoying at this point i look over at you Mm -hmm. and i realize oh thank goodness we're on the same page she's not liking this movie like i'm not liking this movie now right so she, she thinks that i'm not liking the movie uh, I don't like Balthazar Kane and his fucking annoying uh, soliloquies, but <laughs> I kind of like the movie. Oh, gosh. Uh, Kane stabs Scott with his sword, and, and then he decides to tell Tracy that the human head weighs eight pounds. Don't know why. And uh, he directs his clown and the jester to just pummels Scott with mm. axes until there's nothing left of the poor boy. Rest in peace, Scott. You were a real cool guy. Real cool guy. <laughs> so once only Tracy remains, Kane sort of like drops his act. His accent is gone. He reveals he's been playing a monologuing monster as part of his twisted show. Yeah. He's still evil and annoying. But he basically admits he's just become a serial killer who really likes macabre theater. Yeah. It's strange. It is strange. It's strange. Uh, But he then continues to monologue at Tracy, just with less flowery flowery language. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Tracy actually escapes the house as the authorities arrive. Uh, They put her in the cop car, and then Kane monologues even more. At the cops until they shoot him. Yeah. Magic is sacrifice are his final words before the cops blow him away. Might be worth noting that Kane isn't actually armed when the police kill him. Hmm. Hmm. That is a salient point. Maybe something we shouldn't get into here. (laughs) Okay. Kane himself probably deserved the bullets, but. Well, yeah. Anyway, uh, oh, then, he, he, the magic was his weapon. He yes, he That's shot right. a fire, a magic fire sleeve ball. What? Then we returned to the police station <laughs> where we began our tale. Tracy, still covered in the blood of her new dead friends, being questioned by the detective. Even though now we know the police already know that she's a victim, and Kane did 
all of this. You'd think the interrogation could wait until she, you know, had already been examined medically. But finally, they let her go because, of course, they do. And then, and then, in a th- almost a throwaway line, they reveal that Tracy was the young kid from the flashbacks, and the strongman Robert Valentine was her real father. And then we get this sort of like saw-like montage of Tracy. She's been visiting Canaan prison, calling him father, being his magical assistant, helping him set up this elaborate show, and crying in the back of the cop car as he's killed. So she actually was complicit in all of this, and now she's free to continue being, like, an evil magician? <laughs> like... What, what a twist. twist. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I same. mean, what do you think about that? That's like the last two minutes of this movie. We came uh, or Tracy's been working with Kane. She's the kid. She's. Yeah. Well, you called it. Didn't you call that? I may have called that. Yeah. You called that. Um, They didn't even. I think they did a good job, though, of, like, throwing us off of her scent. Mm-hmm. You know, because they would they talked about the the ploys. Yeah, yeah, Billy earlier in the film yeah. mentioned, like, oh, Jake's got to be a plant. And, That's right, and it, plants, so it, yeah. And it's Billy bringing it up and not Tracy. You really kind of get on Tracy's side during all this. She seems and pretty... And she's kind of a nothing character a She kind of is. For, just like another... For what Kane calls the final girl. She, yeah. You know, she's really the least developed of all the characters, so... So I guess they did that on purpose. Yeah, because her backstory is... She's the yeah. androgynous little kid from the beginning. Well, also, you remember that I made you, like, rewind it, and I, like, twice, and I had to rewatch it, because I was like, wait, what did they just do? Well, because it almost seems like it was a revenge thing from her, like, yeah, oh, Cain I... killed my real father, so I'm going to pretend to be his assistant to be able to kill him, but on the third viewing... The third fucking viewing. <laughs> right. It's pretty obvious that she's actually just decided that Kane is now her father. She doesn't care that Balthazar killed her real dad. She's just on his side and she's all about being a um, black magic yeah. crazy person. I think that this movie was like more about the journey than the destination. <laughs> You know what I mean? I suppose so. <laughs> yeah. So the destination, not all that great. No, not really. Anyway, though, so before we get into our actual reviews of the film, I did want to mention that during the end credits, I, I realized that Scott, the dumb Instagram model turned hero, Jewish, awesome, cool guy, is played by Jonathan Lipnicki, who is the cute little kid from Jerry Maguire and the little vampire. That's so cute. What makes Tom Cruise so well-respected among his peers? What makes him such a cool guy? Well, I don't know. He just is nice. He's just nice and cool. He's just made that way from God. (laughs) Is there any cool Tom Cruise stories you can tell us about real quick on the set? Mm. Okay, on the set with Tom Cruise, I sing. 
goodness gracious, great balls of fire. That's all it. That's all. That's all. That's one story about it. Yeah. And uh, Stuart Little. Stuart Little, yeah. Yeah, 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 most certainly. I sort of wondered as the movie went along why a character basically set up to be the dumb jock ended up being a crucial part of the movie. And he kind of has an arc where he yeah, he, he grows, he becomes one of the main heroes, and and I guess that's why, yeah. you know, because he has a name. Yeah, because he's a name in this movie. Yeah, he is the name. Yeah. He, but, you know, he's really grown up into a handsome man and yes. continues to be a fine actor. Yeah, he was an adorable child actor. Yeah, but he, he's grown up into that. It's nice to see a former child actor turn into a current adult actor and not just remain a former child actor. It's sadly or, quite rare. Yeah, or like know? turned into a weirdo. Well, they're, yeah, yeah. They're all kind of weird. I mean, maybe he's weird, but he seemed cool. But he seems grounded. Yeah, he seems like just a normal. I mean, I person. didn't. I didn't even realize it was him. It. it was just yeah, like yeah. he was playing this character, and it was you know on reflection, it did look like him. But he he just sort of got into character, did a good job. Yeah, yeah Jonathan Lee, was good. Lip Nikki, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Now, the film was also directed by Christopher Olin Ray, who is the son of legendary schlock filmmaker Fred Olin Ray. Fred Olin Ray directed over 150 low-budget B-movies. B-movies is almost too good. D-movies, for the most part. (laughs) Ranging from sort of gory horror movies to softcore porn to family-friendly holiday films. This guy did everything. Wow, he covers it all. Yeah. Some of his films include The Alien Dead, uh, Attack of the 60-Foot Centerfold, Bikini Uh. Hoedown. (laughs) Did you see that one? No? No. The Kid with X-Ray Eyes. You think I saw any of these? (laughs) Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, maybe? Nope. Nope. Big Ed actually wears a Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers t-shirt throughout this movie circus cane which was a nice little nod to his old pops uh so actually fred olin ray is still a very active filmmaker which i didn't realize he released four films in 2019 alone a christmas princess baking christmas one fine christmas and a royal christmas engagement wow which i'm sure are all very good and very uh Jolly. Christmas. Christmassy. Christmassy. But, you know, I'm glad to see that his son, Christopher, seems to be following in his footsteps. I'm sure old Pops is very, very proud. <laughs> well, I have a question for you. Yeah. Which of those four Christmas movies do you want to watch this Christmas? Ah, uh, whichever one's on fucking Prime, I guess. <laughs> Are they They four? don't necessarily sound... fit into our... Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll have to have a Christmas special. Maybe a Christmas princess is really horror. Yeah. Yeah. Or baking Christmas. Maybe they're baking elves alive. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Maybe. Well, it's time to get into our reviews. Okay, okay. I have I have to review this film. You do. I have to. It's part of this whole thing. It's a whole other thing. Okay. Uh 
liked the set. Mm-hmm. I commented on it a lot throughout the movie. The circus cane itself, you were into it? N- no. The the circus cane in Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. The set. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, I was not what I was picturing on the inside of that mansion, and I was pleasantly surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Um, characters were kind of okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, kind of annoying, kind of goofy. I rolled my eyes a lot throughout the film. Um, Kane was super annoying, even though he did have the best line of the film. Oh, yeah? Yeah. During all of his boring monologue, uh-huh. his his one line, like, Death is the one true God, and I'm the death's tattered angel spreading her cold, harsh words one soul at a time mm-hmm. brilliant yeah actually i think i made you rewind it there yeah didn't you yeah i wanted it, to hear it, it, it again. touched something that is the yeah. one true god and i'm like yes yes okay so the one line i liked and the visuals i'm giving this movie a four out of ten four out of ten four out of ten i was okay. kind of annoyed too much fair enough um I am I was kind of into this movie. Mm. At no point did I ever think that this was great cinema, but I've seen so many terrible horror movies that can't yeah. even do what this movie did. Have fantastic-looking villains where the makeup is awesome. Even tried to be funny and develop characters. I mean, every single one of these characters... I basically remember their name and who they were. Some of them grew throughout the movie. Some of them had some clever dialogue. I mean, it was obvious that they, you know, were were putting in real performances and 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 gave it their all. Um, I liked the the gore of it all. I yeah, mean, absolutely. It was. Um, well, it goes back to like the whole set and prosthetics. And yeah, 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 yeah. The makeup yeah. was great. The 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 kills were cool. It it was annoying in certain parts. Like uh, Balthazar Kane himself, while a cool looking villain, was like, I mean, I think seventy minutes into this, you know, ninety five minute movie is when they run into him, and then they'll. 20 minutes are just him. <laughs> oh, your life is just a bar with death on my flesh and the abyss of blood. blood. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> so, there, it, it definitely, it's not a perfect movie. It's, um, but overall, I was never really bored during it. I think it was a cool premise with some cool characters. Um and some cool. It was it was kind of cool. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. All right. I give it a five point five out of ten. Okay. All right. See. So afterwards, you had enjoyed the movie, and I was glad it was over. Yeah. Okay. So you know, not that far on the number scale, right. but it was just kind of how we felt afterwards. You know, I have watched a lot. More terrible yeah, you're the reason we're doing this. It is. <laughs> so, but you know, our opinions are not the only opinions that matter. Absolutely. So we dive into those Amazon Prime reviews and pull some out. 
This first one is from SBC97223. Okay. Gave the film three out of five stars. Headline, I felt entirely locked into a bad escape room scenario. <laughs> That's a great title. <laughs> All right, he writes. They write. Sorry. Circus Kane is far from a great movie, but what they had to work with Worked in the end as I was able to follow the plot all the way through and laugh a bit along the way. (laughs) That is all the more impressive despite glaring plot holes that appeared made up at the last minute. Mm. Where this movie worked was its ability to hold on to a viewer through the whole thing and pull them further into the dark. I have some friends who are avid escape room fans, and have been on a couple with them. Circus Kane was like a trip through the escape room where everything that could go ugly does. And one huge element of the movie that goes wrong in my claustrophobic imagination is the trip further into a smaller and smaller space. Then to get out, If possible, we have to backtrack what was clearly not deadly enough the first time through. I do not like feeling closed in, and much of what we worked to present a horrific situation relied upon the film's ability to take my imagination to a dark and badly contained space. I hope filmmakers intentionally had its story boarded that way i am going to give (laughs) the benefit of the doubt to the filmmakers here and believe they wanted to build that into this movie as this was a very watchable movie despite so many of its low budget shortcomings i so much want to give this one another star for that but tossing the unsatisfying plot twist in at the end hurt well, I agree with the last line, but I'm really confused. What is he giving the benefit of the doubt? Uh, what? I, I kind of think he's <laughs> saying that the whole escape room kind of vibe of the movie was good, but then instead of building and building and building, they just have them go back through those rooms, yes, which we I talked about. about. Yes, yeah. And then the, uh, the end had the bad plot twist. Yes. You know. Okay, so I am with SBC nine seven two two three. Yeah, yeah, I agree with them. All right, all right. So the next review comes from Josh, Josh. who also gives three out of five stars. Hmm. His line, his title line is the set decorations. Looks like the pro master and set decorators had fun. Mm-hmm. I agree with you right off the bat, Josh. Okay, so he has a pros and cons list. His pros. One, the idea is neat and more towards unique. (laughs) Two, the villains with their makeup. Three, the set direction decorations. Looks like the prop master and set decorators had fun. He wanted to repeat that line. Yeah, that's his his thesis, right? That's his thesis statement. Okay, the cons. The acting is only okay 
And in a lot of areas, the dialogue isn't good. It feels forced or not natural. Mm. So I guess he didn't like all of Billy's, not Billy's, the impressions. Evil Ed's impressions. He, yes, Ed's impressions. He was not feeling it. He did not like that he was Batman. Okay. Two. Some of the effects, like the blood, did not look particularly good. I kind of want to disagree. Yeah, I think the blood was fine. I thought that the prosthetics, the the main um, uh, makeup, makeup. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, um, like the the big the big scenes. Mm-hmm. I thought they looked good, but what I was thrown off by was in a lot of the other rooms, I kept seeing decorations that I've seen from like Walgreens, CVS, Halloween Express, Walmart. Mm -hmm. Like you can tell that they had the budget and they used it, which I think they used it well, but then they also just like, hey, let's just grab a bunch of stuff that we can buy cheap and let's just put it all over the place, which I kind of actually appreciated. Yeah. I really love that because, you know, I go crazy. I decorate every single year for Halloween and then a lot of Halloween bleeds into Christmas and then we have horror Christmas and I do a lot of that same thing. I make like one big thing and then... Everything else is like the cheap shit that I found. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so okay, so it sort of followed your ethos for the whole. Uh, Degrading. Uh, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Sorry, uh, Josh. Anyway, three on the cons list. The setup felt a good pace, but then the deaths fell felt rushed. They should have been more spread out. Think of how Saw does it. Mm, I am thinking of that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, so does he not like how fast the first death came about? I think it's like 25 minutes of setup, and then there's three deaths, and then at the end. I think it is kind of... It is a little like slower, and then deaths, and then a long ending. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. The the middle rushes through. It's funny that he, he brings up... Ah, uh, you saw as a template when the end of the movie reminded me so much. Every Saw movie is like, ah, look at this twist. And it has the music and the montage of the flashbacks to sort of set the twisted motion. And yeah. that reminded me so much of Saw. So he I just wanted more Saw. Josh wants more Saw. He just wants Saw. Yeah, but you know what? You're going to have to wait, Josh, because... COVID pushed back the new Chris Rock Saw movie. Oh, man, yeah. I can't wait for that. Me too. That and Halloween. Yeah. I know it's off topic, but... All right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Now is time for our unaffiliated, unofficial product deal of the week. Now, every circus needs clowns, whether they're funny clowns like... I can't think of one. (laughs) Or evil clowns, like all the clowns that I can think of. You need clowns, and clowns need red noses. So our product is the Tie Hood 35 count, 2 inch by 2 inch, red circus clown nose bulk for party Halloween costume supplies, christ a miss (laughs) What? That's in the title? Yes. christ a miss christ a miss Now... These bulk 
Red clown noses are only nine dollars and thirty eight cents for thirty five and thirty five <laughs> noses. Clowns are always losing their nose. What happens then? Do you have a backup? You do now. These are high quality foam. They are material, sponge, color, red, <laughs> diameter, approximately five point five centimeters. Clown nose. 35 pack. This party favor comes in a set of 35, so you can share the fun with your family, your friends, and your guests. These that you intend to kill. Probably. <laughs> or start a cult with. Oh, there you go. Soft. This product features a soft, expandable nose hole that makes the clown <laughs> nose plumper. Oh, you, you gotta have a plump clown nose. Plump. They are great for parties. This accessory is perfect for birthdays, Halloween, costume parties, red nose days. Tell me about some of your red nose days, your best red nose day memories. <laughs> oh, you know, whenever me, me and my friends, we, we put on our 35 pack of clown noses and we go on killing sprees. Mm -hmm. Those are my best memories. Or, or even just simple dress up. Oh, of course. Also, easy to carry. <laughs> Are they? It's easy to carry. You can wear them at any time. And they conveniently fit in your pocket. Yes. Your purse, your fanny pack, mm -hmm. your laptop bag. Laptop bag? Your shoe. Mm -hmm. Or your nose. Now, I know... What about uh, my ear? Can I walk around? Can I put two of them, one on each ear? I cannot confirm nor deny okay. where you can put them other than your nose. Okay, sorry. Now, I know a lot of customers have frequently asked questions. Let's oh, yeah. pretend that you're the customer with the frequently asked question. And I will be Thai Hood Incorporated. Okay, so let me look at the frequently asked question. Oh, can you breathe while wearing this? Yes. Yes. Frequently asked questions, fucking answered. Bada boom. To my cart. Right now. All right. We're getting it. All right. So, guys, check out the Thai Hood 35 count, two inch by two inch red circus clown nose bulk for party Halloween costume supplies. Chris, a miss. <laughs> ah, another wonderful episode complete. Thank you so much for listening to the Prime Cuts Horror Podcast. I am Hank Holder alongside... Holly Griffin, and I am alongside Marley the Dog Girl, who is shaking in the corner. A storm started during this episode, and she's been terrified. She's not scared of the movies we watch, but she is scared to death of certain noises, including thunder. And dings. dings Elevator dings. Dings will... Turn her into uh, a maniac. Uh, Old-timey telephones. Mm-hmm. We can't... Basically, we can't watch anything from the 70s in this house. Anything with elevators. Anything with elevators. At, at some point, the movies we watch will involve Marley and yes. her fear of dingity dings. So, look forward to Marley the Dog Girl reviews. Mm -hmm. They are coming. Absolutely. But for now... We wish you, we adieu. We wish you, we adieu. <laughs> Please join us next week on the Prime Cuts 
Horror Podcast. <laughs> Boo bye. I have a hard bargain. You're a monster. I'm a capitalist. Just ahead of the curve. You're a dick. I'm Batman. You have now tuned in to the Comic Section Network.